I have a very eclectic mix of friends, family, and acquaintances. They're all over the board in regards to their religions, their lack of religion, superstitions, conspiracy tendency, etc., etc. My people, my group, has never been just one kind of group. I don't believe you can grow and be better unless you get different opinions and experiences and get to know different types of people from everywhere. And that's about more than just traveling or seeing new cities. It's about dropping everything you're used to and immersing yourself in these places, trying to live there, mixing up and into the subcultures. I've done this all my life. I learn from people. We all have different worlds existing in our heads. We live in, in different realities from each other. And that's my kind of travel, my kind of vacation, to connect to these different worlds and realities and learn from them. And in taking that a step further, I do have some experience in more psychic things, more psychic connections. And this comes from a long line of ancestors you see, I also believe that certain gifts and psychic abilities can sometimes be passed down. I've come to think that there's not really a limit to the things that evolve in space and in time. And we'll never be wise to the many, many angles and sides of how things in the universe happen and how they work. I knew that this personal information of mine would have to come out at some point. If I was going to continue to be public on social media, online, public in any way at all, and to pretend like we don't care at all about what other people think of us, well, that's kind of a lie, isn't it? Unless you're the Unabomber and you want to live out by yourself under a rock and be mad all the time, you're probably going to care to some degree about what other people think of you. I'm not saying I'm obsessed with my reputation or, or that we go overboard worrying about it, but we are social creatures. We don't want to push everybody away by never, ever sharing ourselves or our natures or anything, pretending like we don't give a rat's tail about anybody's thoughts at all. We want our connections. They're healthy. And so, especially in this age of technology, quarantine, a new era of the way that we socially behave and what we share and how we share it through online sources. If you're going to put yourself out there at all, then I like the idea of, of being willing to address people's concerns sometimes to a degree. Granted, we all deserve and need our own space and privacy. I'm not suggesting vomiting up everything about yourself. There are some things that should just belong to you. Just you, not your children, not your mother, just you. There are secrets I'm taking to my grave that would give a nun a heart attack. If you're out there willing to share your feelings and convictions through your art with the world, doesn't matter how big or small you are, you have a level of concern about being misunderstood. It's natural. If you want to keep going in honesty and keep that transparency, 
It's natural to want to address those misunderstandings. And keeping transparency and honesty in my art means that you guys are going to see a lot of spirituality coming out in, in a lot of different ways, visually, through poetry and text, through my voice and my music, whenever I make any, <laughs> which is rare. What I am and what I aspire to, it shows. It shows through everything I do and put out there. And sometimes it looks very dramatic and dark. These posts can cause a little bit of confusion sometimes for people who are more suspicious of darker images and stories and poetry. And it's understandable. If you're not afraid to express yourself or to share your talents and your dreams, you shouldn't be afraid to address misunderstandings either. You shouldn't be afraid of, of looking like you care about your reputation just a little bit. If you indeed do care about yourself and your convictions, don't be afraid to say you care. Because letting people understand you creates more transparency and it gives your art and your words, your talents, you, more genuineness, more honesty. It is not uncool to care whether or not people are understanding what you're trying to say or who you are. So express yourself, explain yourself. And once that's out there, you've done your job. Then you can stop worrying or caring so much because after you've made the effort, then other people's responses to that belong to them. The way they think after that is no longer your concern. You've put it out there, it's done. I've thought about all this recently and I've decided to share this very important part of my life with all of you today. This is Natural and Wild with Christine Grayson. I'm a storyteller, a muse, and a nature spiritualist. Today I'm going to address some concerns and assure you that I am not out here doing satanic rituals and calling up the devil. I'm not interested in forming a cult, and I'm not trying to preach the gospel to my atheist friends. Let me introduce myself, because I haven't really done that, have I? I've drawn a lot of questions. Here are some of my answers. You know, I like Christmas. I love the lights. Seeing my family again, smelling the fresh greenery that people put in their houses. I'm definitely celebrating today. I'm here with my family and we're having drinks and cheer together. And it's a lovely day on this beautiful mountain. But I'm going in another direction with this episode. So if you want a break from stuffed bellies and terrible music, <laughs> let's talk about some weird abstract stuff. Some of it's dark, some of it's light. It's kind of balancing and healing even. All the things that I draw, sing, write, take pictures of, everything I do is driven by what I feel. I'm a very feely type of person. I'm very receptive of aromas, visuals, physical touch, the way the wind makes me feel when it swooshes my long skirts up and around me when I stand on the side of a mountain somewhere. What I spiritually feel when I'm doing just about anything, standing just about anywhere. I'm so deeply sensitive to these things, and they come out in my art. They come out in everything I do. 
They give me epiphanies. And they overpower my response to more mainstream things that I could be doing and just am not just as interested in as much. I do like movies, but just not as much as getting excited over the wind. (laughs) Nature is my movie, my dinner theater. Spirituality and energy are things that take over my thoughts and my feelings every day and every night. I rarely even spend time on thoughts like, I want to go here or there to have dinner, go speed racing cars, spend time at the bar, or whatever people are supposed to to like to do. I've spent so much time in nature that I'm in my own head, in my own world. My thoughts just entirely saturated in the spiritualness of senses and universal patterns and manipulating energies. That's where my head lies, all the time. My closest neighbors and most common conversations are living in the animal kingdom. And so I've become this strange nature spiritualist who lives in the forest and does strange things that are probably misinterpreted. Just like any tribe of people who spend a lot of time away from the mainstream, creation is dark and it's light. God is dark and light. I am dark and I'm light. To block out the dark parts of my life feels like I'm just allowing them to fester, grow out of proportion. It feels like a poisoning in my body and in my mind. I'm compelled to tell people things and share myself with the whole world. I like sharing. It's part of who I am. And I feel like keeping hidden those parts of me that don't fit and line up with a status quo. It just crafts this heavy energy that hangs over me and other people can detect it. And that builds distrust. We all detect energy. We all create it, push it out there and make things happen. And if we're honest about it, that honesty acts like an airbag in a car accident you won't get quite as hurt. Nobody else will either. I've spent years hiding my spirituality from people because I didn't want to make those people in my life who were agnostic or atheist uncomfortable because I didn't want to make those people in my life who were conservative Christians uncomfortable because I didn't want to make those people who were pagan uncomfortable. Like I said before, I have a pretty eclectic group of friends and family. But since the year of COVID and quarantine, I've had to mainly express myself and hold conversations online and through my art, online, posts, social media, these podcasts. This is how I've been talking to people. We've all been distanced and we've seen sides of each other that only comes out when we're spending time alone and and looking for different ways to communicate and learning new ways to express ourselves. And so my spirituality has come out strong and very visual. And it's time to be honest. I'm not a pagan. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a disbeliever. I do believe in something. I'm not polytheistic. I'm not entirely monotheistic. Although I do believe it all came from some original source. I honestly don't know what I am. 
and I don't try to know. I don't try to label it because to label it takes away its authenticity to me. It takes away its sacredness. I'm too much of a an every angle kind of thinker to base all my beliefs in one system or to believe that any of this is systematic at all. So I don't know how to explain away my spiritualness, but I do know that everything I do, everything I feel is saturated in it. It's saturated and drowning in spiritual thought, energy, manipulations and connections. Everything feels and looks interlaced with supernatural forces and a magical kind of intuition. I don't know what I am or what exactly I believe in, but that's where my head always is. That's where my soul lives. I'm wrapped around spiritualness so deeply and so strong that that's all I can do. I pull it through in my photos and through my body and my movements and through my drawings and my paintings, through any music I ever conjure up, through the documents I write. I'm a human body who soaks in the energy of nature and power and puts it into writing and art in the form of epiphanies, and that's all I am. I'm a child of creation. I'm a muse. I'm nature's child, and nature, to me, is way more than the physical earth. I've always been drawn so strongly to the seasonal changes of the year that every part of my being starts to melt into and change along with them. Winter's here today. It's cold. It's a shift and it's death. It's a test to survivability. It demands a different kind of meditation and response. It's harder. And to learn to blend is to adapt, live alongside it, and to progress down the road of life. Instead of fighting it and whining about its existence, I like to face it. Just like walking up to some intimidating, scary phantom outside in my front yard, sitting high on some big snowy white horse and making peace with it. The seasons have their own essence and I treat them like guides. This is my winter luminary. So you see, this is an example of my life, my spirituality. My soul and my imagination turns the season into a phantom. I give it a visual, an energy, respect, and I talk to it. And when I do that, it talks back to me. And if I sound insane, well, that's okay. I'm cool with it now. It took me a while to get to that point where I was okay with sounding insane. And it comes with a lot of blessings, a lot of rewards for me. Things happen. Good thing. I'm forewarned sometimes. I'm always covered and ready. I have epiphanies. And there's even times when I want something and that something just kind of falls into my lap out of nowhere, just makes itself appear somehow in my life and it's unexplainable. My mother, she's always had the gift of future sight, and hers is intensely strong, way stronger than mine. She's seen people that she's never met before, a day before they arrived at her parents' house, and she met them for the first time in physical form. She saw every detail about them, their faces, the car they drove, 
how they drove into the driveway, how they got out of the car, all the day before it actually happened. She and I have had weird connections ourselves. I've stumped my toe before, and she's felt the pain from the other side of the yard and yelled out. When I was a little girl, about 13, I was at home with my sisters. She was at work, mom was at work, and she sensed that she needed to come home. I was stressed out because there was this man, my two little sisters' drama teacher, who had come over to our house suddenly out of the blue, knowing that our mom was at home, and he proceeded to hit on me and focus in on my two younger sisters as well. It felt very bad, very abusive, very bizarre, and I was stressed and suddenly felt extremely protective. He hadn't crossed any lines yet, but I knew where this was going, and I called out to my mother in my head to come home. Guess what? She did. She came home. She took care of it. We never saw this guy again. Pretty soon afterwards, actually, he was arrested for trying to mess around with some minor at the school. Every woman in my family, and a couple of the men too, have been able to do very unexplainable things. We've all had our own way of doing those things too, which tended to look very unorthodox, very abstract. And it's passed itself down through the generations. Even the part of the family that had that weird religious double murder. There's a little more to that story too. I feel it in my bones. I believe that particular family unit went insane and didn't know how to use what they'd been harnessing in their heads. And that's so, so very dangerous. And this is why I do a lot of personal soul searching and why I go in pretty deep with a form of trance and hypnotism and try to shine a light on any insecurities or fears that I might have inside me because I don't want to ever lean in that direction even by accident. And fear, insecurity, and greed is what causes bad things to come into being. This is one of the most important things to me to seek out and destroy any evil that I might be holding on to in my heart. I've seen what happens if it's not sorted out. In my own family, there are parts to that murder story that I did not relay in the podcast, by the way. Finding that information conjured up some conversations in the family and some visions as well. I found an old letter. I found little clues that led me to things that got more information out of family members. And I don't ever, ever let my spiritualness, my soul, go in that direction. That story really does stick with me. It's got a big reason to do with why I stick so close to my convictions and do so much meditation. Now back to the season. When the land dies back and the air is so cold that you can't hear too many little critters anymore, all these creatures are piled up and resting together in their dens and their tree houses. And here he comes, that old winter phantom creeping through the trees and over dead grass and fields. The damp wetness in the air that makes the rushing water in the creek look thicker as it moves over the rocks. This tells me it's time to face old fears again and let them die. 
And in order to do that, I have to find those fears again because I'm human and I don't like to look. They're scary. And so they're all pressed down, way down inside the darkest parts of me, just crammed up in there against the corners and stuck in places where I won't have to acknowledge them. And so I go into my personal meditative rituals in order to conjure those things up, conjure up those old skeletons and sweep them away. It's not as easy as sitting by the creek side in the summertime, listening to little birds sing pretty songs and thinking about positivity. This is a place that doesn't like to come out and play, except when I'm not looking, subconsciously. And so I have to go to extremes to force myself down, deep, and to look at it. To never take time to do this means that those fears and those insecurities will subconsciously start to cause chaos in my life. And we all work this way. And I'm very afraid of the idea that my subconscious can have any power at all. Because it's done some very frightening things before when I was younger. And I never want that to happen again. Now I'm a very visual person. I'm sensitive to and I respond to my environment and the way it looks. Every fleck of dust dancing in a light beam. Every patter on my ears when I hear the rain touch the tin roof. Everything moves me. And so the way I physically design my meditative space matters. And to pull from these recesses straight down there where everything's hidden, to me, requires a little bit of drama. I'm an artist, and I build symmetrical spaces with deep, dark colors and sounds in order to put myself into that subconscious space that allows me to find my demons and kick them out. I lure them in, I size them up, and I take away their power. When I come out of that space, I feel new, clean, refreshed, and I know they've become too weak to debilitate me anymore. And I do this every winter. When those old skeletons are finally acknowledged, finally looked in the eye and not blocked out anymore, there's room for growth. You shine a light on the darkness, and from that comes peace and power. So what's the purpose of, of a dark side? Why can't this be a world of only good things? Light, happy thoughts and music, joyful experiences, never-ending peace and tranquility. Because we're complicated, and we are a force of nature, and we are free to wield it. Some of the most creative energies and things come out of the darkest, most painful places. Pain and darkness builds emotion and strength. And those things give life to the universe. Strength is something that we all respect and want more of. And we wouldn't have it if we didn't have pain and darkness first. Where would the light be if there was no darkness for it to illuminate? The sun is surrounded in darkness. Ecstasy is born from the exodus of depression. Everything has a polar opposite. When you finally do settle in and learn about your own dark prison guards, you usually find out they don't have to be as fearful as you thought. 
when we start picking apart the fears that come trailing out of one little thing that we've been ignoring, the case is usually that those multiple fears that we've built up are irrational and very weak. But when we refuse to acknowledge that dark side, when we're too afraid to shine a light on them and we push them back, they grow and they grow and they get dangerous. Especially if you've tapped into some creative force that seems to make things land in your lap. We've perverted our ideas of right and wrong all throughout history. We don't know how to police each other. We don't know how to control each other. For someone to feel like they're doing something wrong, usually according to somebody else or some traditional teaching, that person will usually handle that guilt by hiding their feelings, blocking them out, never respecting that darker side of themselves and sorting it out. And so it becomes this stagnant, swampy mess in the soul. And from that dark space, chaos subconsciously draws more frustrating and negative and bad things towards you. And the only way to stop that is to shine a light on those hidden fears and call them out. And that will slowly open you up to believing that you do deserve better things which you will only then start to subconsciously draw to yourself. We give ourselves permission to be open to good things. So look at your posture. What do you do when somebody compliments you or praises you for something that you've done? What do you do when you walk into a room with new people? Some people tend to hold themselves in, cross their arms, hunch over, block themselves from receiving good things when they feel undeserving or unworthy. You can see it. That visible stress, that anxiety. They're not allowing good things or opportunities to reach them. They're physically and psychically putting up a barrier. It's important to shine a light on your fears, become aware of where they come from, so you can open yourself up to make space for better, more positive experiences. And that's what all my dark meditations are all about. They're not satanic rituals. I'm not calling the dark lord with my black candles and my dramatic looking circles on the floor. I just really like the color black. It seems to vanish away into the darkness of a room. And that keeps me from getting distracted by another color standing out at me. Like I said, I'm very sensitive to visuals. Black is very calming to me. It's warm. It blends. It blends into the dark of a room, and it creates these beautiful, simple lights, these small pockets of light that copy my imaginative idea of space. My idea of a creative force shining through an old universe. And my circle? I just think it's pretty. It's symmetrical. I like symmetry. It has an effect on my calamity. These very personal ritualistic experiences bleed into my art. They blend into everything expressive that I do. This connection to nature and to energy and to psychic visions and lucid dreams it all becomes the essence of who I am as a person, why I do the things I do, why I create what I create, and it all guides the choices that I make. 
I've woken up before at 4 a.m. with some kind of strong need to get up out of bed and go down to the water, write a wish down on a leaf with a marker and let it wash down the creek bed. And when I get that urge, I do it. I get up at 4 in the morning and I do it. I feel like I'm supposed to. I always do what I'm guided to do, even if it comes out of nowhere and it sounds absolutely ridiculous. My soul is in every picture, design, every selfie, every single little thing that might only look like a little thing. There's actually a much deeper message behind every bit of it. Always. So there you are. I do some very strange things here in the forest. I'm an artist. I'm a nature spiritualist. I'm a walking, breathing speck of the same energy that exploded in space or grew a divine heart. And winter is my vacant space for darker soul searching. And that bleeds into everything I write and do. Winter is my luminary and life is saturated with magic and romance that I love to share. This has been Natural and Wild with Christine Grayson, and I hope that through this podcast today, I've done a little better at introducing who and what I am. I hope that this has maybe showed somebody else out there that you don't have to be afraid to share who you are. I'd like to thank all my favorite people and supporters of this show, Bruce Presson, Chris Nolan, Sheila McGregor, William Bishop, Robin Umber, Arnold Bloom, and Yvonne Ragland. I'd like to thank everyone who donated to the show through the PayPal tip jar. I'd like to wish you all a very Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holiday, Kwanzaa, however you like to spend this time of year. And I hope that you all have a wonderful weekend in whatever you're doing for yourself or with others. I love you. I'm listening to you. And I thank you for listening to me.